Lowe's knows you're the powerhouse who does it right to show your yard who's boss. We do it right, too, with innovative Craftsman string trimmers featuring easy start technology for simpler pull starts. And because you can swap out one attachment for another, you can get more done with just one tool. Shop now and add a new trimmer to your arsenal with a Craftsman two-cycle gas string trimmer for just $99. When it's time to take on the yard work, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 320. See store for details. U.S. only. You're listening to Mark Power's Waterford History Podcast. Hello, welcome to episode 10 of Mark Power's Waterford History Podcast. This is the second in the series regarding uh, history of Waterford 20 objects. And this one looks at some of the arrowheads that the Normans left behind them during the siege of the city in 1170. And the interviewing subject here is, of course, Eamon McEnany, who I'm sure you all know, the uh, director of the Museum of Treasures. Uh, so he features a few times on this. Um, so he's going to talk to us here about those arrowheads, how they got bent and the impact that had on Waterford. Enjoy. You're listening to Mark Powers' Waterford History Podcast. And now here comes the bridegroom, Drumble, my Lord Richard Fitzgilbert Patel, accompanied by my cousin, Raymond Fitzgerald Carew, known as Le Gros. A wedding, the most notorious in Irish history, not far from the Tower Hotel. In 1170, British rule came to Waterford, except Britain only existed as a memory of an ancient Roman province at the time. The conquerors were invited here and spoke French, no more English than they were Irish. One thing we can be sure of, it took a fight for them to have their wedding. Norman Arrowheads, 1170. We're looking here at the um, the Arrowheads, and I suppose of particular interest is this one here that's bent. Could you maybe explain how it got to be in that state? Yeah, well, I suppose this this collection of arrowheads here, I think we found something like 47 of them, and they're all from the, the 12th century. In other words, they're from, well, we, these ones are from the time of the Norman invasion from the 1170s, from Strombo captured the city in, 11, in August 1170, and um, fell in, in the 25th of August 1170. And Waterford was walled at that stage. Certainly there's a wall running all along where, where at the top of Arundel Square, from, down from the quays over to beyond where the library is, over as far as what we now call Spring Garden Alley. So there's a, there's a wall all along there, which we found during the excavations in preparation for the building of what's now City Square Shopping Centre back in the 1980s, the late 1980s and early 90s. And some of those were found in, in, in front of the wall, in the ditch in front of the wall. That's the hollowed out part in front of the wall. And some of them are like that and they were bent. And literally what happened was the Normans were fired in these of the people of Waterford and, and, and they hit the stone wall and the impact of them hitting the stone wall bent the, bent the arrow. And you can see there's two different types of arrowheads. You've got the kind of like triangular shaped ones and the triangular shaped ones are for firing at people who fought naked. And it doesn't mean naked in the modern sense, but in the, in, in the Irish records and things, they talk about people f- fighting naked. And fighting naked meant you didn't wear armour, so you're just wearing your ordinary clothes, so you were naked in that sense. As a, as a warrior, you were naked. You fire those ones, like the bent one there, at those. In other words, ordinary citizens wouldn't have armour, because armour is extremely expensive. So they were probably fired at the ordinary citizens to kill them um, who were defending the city. And then you see the long, slim ones. They're for firing at chainmail. And chainmail is, when you look at it, it looks like knitted metal, but it's not. It's all little loops tied together by a blacksmith. Extremely tedious to do and extremely expensive. Of course, then rusted, you had to keep it in, in, in sand, dry sand, to get the rust off it and all the rest of it so as you'd look the part. But those pointy, very thin ones were so that they went through the chainmail and, and, and hit you. And some, then before you'd fire an arrow, you'd probably line up, you'd take your arrows out of the quiver, which is what you keep them in, 
and you probably stick them all on the ground in front of you. And the whole idea of doing that was then, of course, they dirt on them. And when you fire them at a person, even if it didn't kill them, because remember, you had to kind of had to get into your main part of your body, but it might get into your arm or your thigh or someplace like that. And then, of course, the dirt would get in. And of course, they didn't have antibiotics in the Middle Ages, so and the very bad medical care. So the whole idea was, if it injured you, that you get an infection and die. The arrowheads on display in Waterford represent one of the most extensive collections anywhere in Britain or Ireland. They come from Strongbow siege of the city in 1170, a pivotal event in Irish history to be sure, but misunderstood, as the director of the Museum of Treasures, Eamon McEnany, explains. Dermot McMorrow based, it was King of Leinster, and that included Dublin. He, had, you know, he was the Gaelic overlord now of the Hiberno-Norse, or the Viking city of Dublin, but he didn't control Waterford. And... He had been driven out of Leinster by a combination of, of basically, of other kings headed by the King of Connacht, um, the, the O'Connors of Connacht. Um, they, they were all vying with each other at this stage to make become High King of Ireland. But, but Dermot MacMurray had already given ships from Dublin to the, King Henry II of England to help him conquer the Welsh. Um, something we don't like to think about. He was party to that. And... and Basically, when, when Dermot was driven out of Ireland, he had no friends now in Ireland. He'd upset everybody. So where could he go? He went off to England, and he went off to England with the intention of asking Dermot, uh, King Henry to allow him to collect mercenaries. But, of course, the kings of England at the time were Norman kings. They were Norman French. And he was down in France, where he spent most of his life, and where he's actually buried in France, the King Henry II of England. And Henry II gave him permission to, to get, get mercenaries. But there wasn't too many people willing to get mercenaries. And by pure fluke, he, he, he happened, because he's in, living in Wales, come across Strombo, one of the Welsh, uh, one of the knights who had set up, or he was lord there, his father was lord there, Strigul, of Norman family. And, and Strombo had, was down at heel. His family had lost a lot of money because they picked the wrong side during a civil war in England and so the king wasn't particularly happy with them. He was down at heel, his wife had died, and here was an opportunity, of course, totally illegally, Dermot McMurray, both illegally in Irish law and illegally under English law, he offered his daughter in marriage to Strombo if he'd come and help him. And really it was an invitation to invade the country. After the capture of Watford, there was bloodshed, but as Eamon McEnany explains, Dermot McMurray, Strongwell and King Henry II were each playing their own game. Two of them they executed and two of them they, they, they spared. And the two of them they spared was apparently on the insistence of Dermot McMurray. But of course what they were doing was they're playing good cop, bad cop. What they're saying is this was a warning not to Waterford but a warning to, to, to Dublin. If you don't give in, you know, we forced the Waterford people to give in. We had a three-day siege. We captured the city. If you don't give in, we'd slaughter them. If you do give in, we can be merciful. Look what we did on Waterford. We didn't kill all the leaders. We just killed two of them. So... This, the water was very important to that but that's what Dermot Mower was over here trying to regain his kingdom and he, he did regain his kingdom he, got, he won back Leinster and he didn't live long he died the following year he died in 1171 so that's what really threw the cat among the pigeons and when King Henry II of England came here we always see this the invasion of King Henry II we shouldn't Henry II came here more to put manners on the Anglo-Normans than to put manners on the Irish. And what he wanted to make sure was that any lands the Anglo-Normans had now captured without, without his permission, because it was mercenaries. Mercenaries weren't just hired soldiers. They weren't meant to get land. But any lands that the Anglo-Norman lords got without his permission, that he was their overlord and they had to swear allegiance or fealty to him. And that, that's why he came here. So Henry could have seen uh, a lord of, of, of Waterford or Wexford or whatever as been a, a potential, right. power, a yeah, potential yeah, uh, yeah. power source against yeah. him. Oh, oh, he certainly did. And he felt if, if he had somebody like Strongbow over here with lands in Wales and lands in Ireland, remember kings at those times were kind of 
first among equals in terms of the great lords. I mean, you were just another great lord, and everybody, of course, in law got their land from you. But who's to say kings have been deposed before? Who's to say they wouldn't come over and depose you? And so we come to the wedding that those arrowheads helped make happen. Strongbow, a down-at-heel middle-aged nobleman who seized an unlikely opportunity. His prize was land and the daughter of Diarmuid McMurray, Aoife. James Walsh and Molly O'Neill are both part of the Waterford Living History Group who reenacted the marriage this summer. The story of Strongbow and Aoife itself is really key to Ireland becoming part of the Norman world and connected to the rest of Europe, I think. It's something we probably learned a bit about in school but didn't know a great deal about. So being involved in putting on a reenactment, something of a pageant, has meant we've all kind of looked more into the story and seen more of the background, I suppose. It was certainly game-changing for Ireland in that we were pretty much sovereign and to ourselves before that, you could say, all these little kingdoms here in Ireland. And then we had all these great big Normans came over and uh, kind of decided to take over the place. So uh, is, it, is it something to celebrate or is it just something to mark? Um, or what's, you know, how do, you, how do we feel about it now nearly a thousand years later? I think it's probably something to, um, to mark or to commemorate, but I wouldn't necessarily say celebrate. History is written by the winners and it's kind of as simple as that. So the reenactments is a really, really interesting way to kind of put, see the other perspective and you get a lot of like the battle plans and that kind of carry on that you probably wouldn't have learned from the average textbook. So it's, it's nice to see from that point of view because then you don't just see the, the winners writing the history, you see what would have went into it and the, the huge like catastrophic consequences that these tiny actions would have had. And it's really interesting to look at that now from our perspective and our like, you know, well bodied culture I think it's, it's fun would be the one word to sum it all up maybe not the slaughter part but the rest is okay <laughs> the pillaging is fine the marriage of Strongbow and Aoife mm. it carries a certain sort of legend with it I suppose in, in Irish history and there's a very famous um, painting much much later yes. of course what, what, what does it come to represent years and years afterwards when all these people are long dead well when the painting was done in the 19th century of course what it was meant to represent still does it was to represent the, the coming together of Ireland and England for the first time and, and that's you know and not coming together for the first time there's obviously there's trade between here religious men from the two places came and, and, and went but what, it's the first political links between Ireland and England and that's hugely important that's why that's so important in Waterford history you know we've been linked ever since to England somewhere or another and that's they're our neighbours and that's what it marks that and remember they were happily married on <laughs> the political alliance wasn't so happy but Strong Bonif were happily married and they produced a daughter Isabel who became one of the most wealthiest and influential women in Europe not just in Britain Ireland, but in Europe when she married William Marshall the most powerful man in England after the king and of course that's what ended up building the great port of New Ross which was a great rival port to Waterford and caused all the dispute for 500 years between the two ports but they were very powerful people she was a very powerful woman Isabel and Eve was a very powerful woman she would lead armies do you know what I mean she wasn't shrinking violet by any, by any manner I mean she was well able to look after her property and her children were well her daughter was well able to look after her property you know Isabel and I said it was their property it wasn't Ireland it no was it wasn't property. Ireland it was their property yeah yeah it was their property yeah The marriage of Strongbow and Aoife put Waterford firmly into the European mainstream. Waterford came into its own as a city of trade, conditional loyalty to beleaguered kings, religion, wine and speaking French. 
You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready for a university that will help me advance in my education and career. A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready for ODU Online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today.